So say we all. This is going to get pretty interesting. Define interesting. The God of God, we're all going to die? Only try to realize the truth. There is no spoon. Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, and now, from the end of the universe, bringing you the latest in science fiction movies and television shows, here are your hosts. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 74. Miles, we're almost 75. That's incredible. 75 episodes. Can Can you believe it? It's awesome. It's been quite an adventure so it's far. It's been a real, real big adventure. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have the first guest tonight that we are ever interviewing from the UK. We interviewed Hayden Black, but he was in California. I guess we did interview um, David the Rooster from Australia. But other than that, we, you know, this is our first, you know, you know five hour ahead interview. Yeah. And it, it's good. Well, I am Scott Herzog. I'm one of your hosts at the diner tonight. And hello, I am Miles P. McLaughlin. And we are here to bring you some delicious sci-fi. So we're serving that up as your host of the diner. So welcome to the diner. And we are so glad to have you with us. We love you guys. You guys have been, we've had some great dialogue on Facebook. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've been following any of that, but some of it's been pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we've gone back and forth about Star Trek and Star Wars, there's been, some, there's been some great stuff. So if you haven't been to our Facebook fan page, you really do got to get there. Some good dialogue happening there. Uh, and some fun stuff happening there and on Twitter, I guess. So some real, real, real good things. A lot of good interaction between us and our listeners. And I think that that's one of the things that I love about what's happening right now with the Sci-Fi Diner. Mm-hmm. We have people coming in, sitting at a booth, ordering their drinks, and just chatting. Just talk about the, the sci-fi that we love. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, and harassing it a little bit, which is totally cool. It, well, some of it needs to be harassed. It does need to be harassed. There's yes. no doubt about it. And this actually uh, – we have a listener question this week. Want to get your guys' thoughts on this? We'll discuss this in the next show or maybe the next show after that. Miles, why don't you go ahead and read the, the listener question and, and read everything in blue here because Miles' notes are always in blue in case you don't know that. He's a blue man. I'm a blue man. He's going to be part of the blue man group. I already have a, a shaved head for it. So, right, uh, right. It's very, very true. Right. We just need to paint him in blue latex and it's good. Yep. Should the now defunct TV show Heroes be made into a major motion picture? Greg uh, Grunberg thinks there has to be a Heroes movie coming. He says, no, I think there has to be a movie. But I also, but I also predicted they wouldn't just out and out cancel it. So what do I know? He laughs. It makes business sense to do something. There's a huge fan base that wants some sort of conclusion. I think the actors want to do it. It's not about making a fortune come back. We all appreciate the fans so much, and I think if the the call went out, we'd all be on board. Yeah, well, so we aren't going to respond to this right now, though I did get some feedback from this already when I posted on Twitter and Facebook. But let us know, what do you think? Should How would Heroes do as a major motion picture? picture. Mm. Miles and I aren't going to respond to us right now, but this is our listener question for this week, and we'll be talking about it eh, on our next show, probably, because by then it'll be a little bit old news, but I just wanted to put that out there. 
Well, let's get into our menu tonight because we have a jam-packed menu. By the way, before I get into the menu, we'll be releasing a special standalone episode all about Celebration 5 for those of you Star Wars fans. Uh, We grabbed Matt, one of our friends that we've known for a long time who was at Celebration 5, and you're getting his input and his insight, the things he liked, the things he didn't like, and uh, find out what he really thought about Anthony Anthony Daniels. Uh, (laughs) uh, You want to see 3PO? You've got to listen to the special episode. We'll be putting it out separately. probably a few days after we put episode 74 out. But let's talk about what we're going to be talking about tonight in episode 74. What's on the menu? On the menu, we have our interview with I.G. Hume, and he is the author of Heaven Field, the Heaven Field uh, audiobook. You've got to check it out. It is a great uh, audiobook, as we're going to talk about in a little bit. We're also going to hear from you, the listeners. You, the listeners, speak out, and we're going to chat a little bit about what you're saying. We have the Stargate trivia winner. And uh, we're going to announce that tonight. And Douglas Adams returns to TV. Doctor Who changes the game. Star Wars from the 1920s. Yes, Star Wars is much older than you thought it was. Mm -hmm. The Planet of the Apes prequel. Hey, where'd that come from? And uh, Ghostbusters 3 is on, or at least heading to on. Magneto is dead. And the rise of the fangirl. Well, I thought I said rise of the Frangi. I was going to read that instead. It's not that. Um, Miles is going to bring us the twist where Shatner boldly claims we are not alone. And Radu gives us his sci-fi five and five where shows that he thought would be terrible but ended up good. So this is a reverse of his 360 mm-hmm. that he did, uh, I guess, two or three episodes ago that we aired. So a jam-packed show. We're definitely going to run over an hour, but we're going to try and keep it close to that as we can. But let's move in. Let's, let's move in. Before we get into the trivia, let's move into some listener feedback here. And B. Harden wrote, he said, how has Lost been treating you? I assume he's directing this to me because you're not watching it. Uh, season three is my favorite season. John Locke is my hero. He's my hero, too. I followed the career of Terry Quinn, who plays John Locke in Lost. Mm-hmm. Since the X-Files, loved the, him in the X-Files, loved him in Millennium. He was in Harsh Realm, another all Chris Carter shows. And... I love him in Lost. He is just a fantastic bald guy. You'll also see him in an episode of Star Trek Next Generation. Oh, I cannot wait. Yeah. Oh, I, so not in season four. It has to be after season four? It's going to be after season four, yeah. I, I'm looking forward to it. I mm-hmm. can't wait till I see Terry Quinn. I love Terry Quinn. Hmm. He is he's one sexy bald man. Yeah, and Miles is like, that's too much information, Scott, too much. But I do. I, I like it. And we are. I'm at the beginning of season three, and I'm loving season three. Mm-hmm. And it's driving my wife nuts because she wants to know who Dharma is and, and everything that goes into the series. She wants to an- the questions answered now. And that, they, keep, they keep her hooked. So that's a good thing. Scott's wife hates me. It's true. Yeah, it's I've, true. I've created a monster in some ways. It, 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 it's very true. Mm-hmm. It's true. Well, we have some iTunes feedback. Do you want to give us a little bit of uh, thoughts about this? I think one of these is from Rude Radu. But go ahead. Well, we'll, we'll thank our, our uh, listeners for. Uh, uh, the reviews on iTunes. Uh, this is by uh, uh, Redman72. Uh, is what he says. Hardcore sci-fi fans will definitely enjoy this one. The insights are coming from the pat from the, the guys that know what they're talking about. Give it a try. You won't be disappointed. Peace. I'm glad he said he, we know what we're talking about because you know <laughs> maybe you do, Miles. But uh, we we both know what we're talking about. No, well, we pretend. Um, and uh, this is from uh, Reformed Ragamuffin. Um, I want to split this up in three sections. The hosts, the interview, the show overall. Hosts. The, sh- the hosts of the show are incredibly personable. When they say that they love listener feedback, they're not kidding around. These guys are positive and clean, which is getting harder to come 
to come by these days. Uh, Scott and Miles are rel- uh, reverent and lighthearted simultaneously. They work off each other together well, and it's funny to listen to them geek out sometimes when they have guest interviews they really like. The interviews. I am sort of new to the sci-fi genre, and I don't know all the people they interview, but it hasn't stopped me from listening to a single interview yet. I have loved the things they have uh, that I have been introduced to from the show, and it even encouraged me in my own writing. It seems that the actors of sci-fi are all about their fans, and they seem surprisingly down to earth. I have very been very surprised by the uh, caliber of action of actors, actresses, and writers that they had been interviewed with. As a huge fan of Ballister Galactic, I was really excited to hear Katie Sackoff. Overall, I love the show. Listen to it. Subscribe. Uh, the Sci-Fi Five at Fives at the end of the show is my favorite part. Uh, so, uh, Reform Ragamuffin, thank you for that very uh, uh, generous uh, review. Yeah, both five-star reviews. Hey, I'm, gl- I'm glad you guys like it. And th- thank you. You know, really, thank you guys so much for listening and for the interaction that you give to us and the feedback that you give to us. Really, that helps take our show and what we do here to a whole new level. Right. And so uh, we want to keep, you know... Just, just keep keep it getting better and better, and um, we're just kind of enjoying this whole new family. We've kind of uh, it really is that it is, mm-hmm. it is uh, especially I'm thinking back in Facebook. We were talking earlier that Facebook we have some good dialogue going mm-hmm. on there. Um, Radu said he he wanted to mention that in the wake of last week's show with Televixen. By the way, a lot of people like that Televixen show. They like they, some for some people it's the first time hearing her, and they really enjoyed hearing about what we thought about some of the fall shows. Well, we do have some past shows with uh, Mary Televixen if, yeah. if you haven't heard them yet. So yeah, so you have some good stuff in the mm-hmm. archives to check out. Right. But but Radu wanted to mention that in the wake of last week's show that he's also looking forward to the Big Bang Theory, and he suggested that our geek levels just might level up if we watch his show. I've heard of it. We need to watch it. And so uh, it's going to be a lot. How many seasons have been on so far? I, I want to say three. At I could be three. totally be wrong about right. that. Totally be wrong about it. Mm-hmm. The question is, Miles, can we afford to have our geekness leveled up anymore? Uh, uh, will, will, our, will our wives disown us? It, that That is a very strong possibility. Very strong possibility uh, about that. Why don't you go ahead and read the next one? Well, there there is some uh, people who like uh, Vampire Diaries. And so here's some love for Vampire Diaries. So Mike C. said, um, said started teen angst but shifted dark and violent. Not quite true blood, but stomps all over Twilight and writing and acting and the world it creates. I, I saw that come through, and I guess it says something that it stomps all over Twilight. Yeah, I mean, so there there is... Uh, you know, there is some love. There's a lot of love for Twilight, but it, but for those who hate Twilight, there's uh, a lot of hate for it too. It's a- yeah, B. Harden says, "This is B. Harden again." Yeah, I've never been to a convention. Uh, I feel like it'd be a big step for me as a new sci-fi genre embracer. If they had a lost convention, though, I would be there in a heartbeat. Don't get me wrong, my heart still beats Klingon. <laughs> so he wanted to, yeah, yeah. So he's very happy about that. But this does bring up an interesting question. I thought, when does one make the decision to attend a convention? I mean, for me, it was you, Miles. Mm-hmm. It's your fault. It's your uh, fault. Okay, because uh, you said you're the one that mentioned, hey, you know these conventions, you know, and we ended up getting in as press, and that was my first convention. It was that short leave thirty one last year? It was my first ever convention. Now I've been to. But three or four mm-hmm. conventions. What motivates one to shift from just an observer of sci-fi, I'm calling it, the one that reads books, watches the television, goes to the movies, to being a participant, where one that actually goes to conventions? Right. Any thoughts on that? Well, for me, my, my very first uh, c- convention, I guess it would be more of a Star Trek convention, uh, uh, George, uh, George Takei was going to be uh, 
at one. This is back in '89. Uh, this this hotel at Camp Hill, uh, Pennsylvania. And uh, for me at the time, that was you know, hey, you know, George Takei is going to be there. He's going to be signing autographs. Also, there's an author who wrote Star Trek novels, uh, A.C. Crispin. I thought you know, this Camp Hill is basically my you know my backyard. I could, I, I could go to this. It's close by. Go there an hour later, you're there. But but there, it also took a life of its own. I mean. Just seeing people there that are really into it, um, people coming in their costumes, the loot that's the, for, up for sale, you know, some cool stuff there. Just, uh, just, just connections you make with people there. So it's that's kind of taken up a life of its own for me as well. Right, right. So you know, I guess it. I guess it just uh, maybe depends on what's local, and what's near you, and mm-hmm. people talking about it. I think many times you need that invite. You need someone there that's going to say, "Hey, let's go to this convention." It's a. Uh, uh, you're going to hear an interview that we did with uh, Matt with Matt M. Uh, Matt Mathers, because I can say his name uh, about Celebration Five that he was at, and he he went there because friends were there with him. Right. And I think yeah. conventions are a difficult thing to go alone to. I I have in the past, uh, but it is much. It's much more fun if you could bring a you know a friend or your significant other. Oh, very cool. Mm-hmm. I'm not your significant other, Miles. No, no, but, but, but we have gone to conventions together. That is true. But uh, well, friends, we're friends, so that works. Yeah. Just want to thank uh, John and Mary on their last uh, episode of DVD Geeks. Um, uh, Mary had announced that um, she was going to be on our show for last week, and so uh, they gave us a nice little shout out on their show. So we love you guys too. Yeah, some DVD geeks love. Yes. We love that. So make sure you check out the show and find out what's coming out in DVDs. Well, Miles, let's head into this week's trivia. We're giving away the answer this week. Mm -hmm. Finally. Go ahead and give us the trivia and then the answer. Okay. Uh, We had asked, what name is given to the Atlantean vehicle which can move through Stargates? And the answer is... Is The Puddle Jumper. And we had a bunch of people get it right. But our winner this week is... Uh, Radu. Radu. So you've heard his name a couple times during the show. So Radu, congratulations. I think I have your address somewhere. If not, I'll contact you have your email somewhere. Uh, you'll be hearing him later on at the Sci-Fi 5 and 5. But he wins what, Miles? He wins uh, a couple uh, neat things from the, uh, the Starship Farragut people. Uh, he wins the comic book. Uh, they put the out Dearly Departed. The Dearly Departed, and he wins a DVD of their anime episode Power Source. Yeah, so very, very cool. So we'll be back with a new trivia question next week. Okay. Well, let's move into our first promo of the night. It is the Signal Podcast by Kevin Batchelder. It is a podcast dedicated to everything Serenity. You will definitely want to check it out. You know what the first rule of flying is? Love. You're listening to The Signal. Well, we hope you are. We're back with Season 5. Shiny. Must be bad guys. Could be bumpy. Always is. Oh, God. Oh, God. And this year... We're going further than we ever have before. To bring you the best articles... Interviews... News... And reviews from in and around the world of Joss Whedon's Firefly and Serenity. I love this ship. I have from the first moment I saw it. What you care about is the ships, and mine's the nicest. It's love, in point of fact. She loves the ship. If you love Firefly, you need to listen to The Signal. With new writers, new ideas, new content. And loads of your favorite regular segments. Helping to keep Firefly and Serenity alive in the hearts of browncoats everywhere. Behold. Hold till I get back. Hell with this. I'm going to live. The Signal. Still flying in 2009. Join us at 
www.serenityfirefly.com. We're still flying. That's not much. That's enough. The Sigma. Season 5. What was that? Welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner. Hope you enjoyed the Signal promo. If you get a chance and you're going to Dragon Con, make sure you check out the Signal. They are going to be at Dragon Con. Kevin Batchelder, I know, loves Dragon Con. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Miles, this Saturday, Brown Coats Redemption, baby, oh, is coming man. out. They are streaming it live, 7 o'clock. Make sure you check out their site. Uh, I may have to make an effort to do so. I, I work this weekend, but I may have to get up early for that. Hey, you know, if I can't, mm-hmm. if I can't watch it, I'm going to, I'll definitely be getting the DVD. I have to. I may have to buy a DVD anyways, just just to support the good charities those guys are doing. Right. It's going to some very good causes. Well, we have some TV news, we have some movie news, and we have some other news that we're going to be talking about. And of course, you have the twist a little bit later on. But let's start off with a piece of TV news. And this actually, we really had to cover this because, you know, our namesake was at one point we were dining at the end of the universe. Right. And, And really that was a play on the whole restaurant at the end of the universe, which was a Douglas Adams book, mm-hmm. you know, from Hitchhiker's Guide. And we, of course, now are the Sci-Fi Diner. So you see kind of the correlation there. Well, Douglas Adams is returning to television with the Dirk Gently show. Now, if you don't know familiar with Dirk Gently, it's not in the Hitchhiker's Guide universe. Mm-hmm. So it's more of a mystery detective thing, but it's returning to British television. And so here's what it reads. And of course, Douglas Adams is returning. He's been long gone, but his show is returning. A Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy creator Douglas Adams' other great work of anarchic science fiction, Dirk Gently's holistic detective agency, comes to the BBC this fall and winter as a one-hour pilot. But what happens if Dirk gets an ongoing series? From the sounds of things, the first 60-minute Dirk Gently episode will be an ad- adaptation, at least in part, of the first book. Only plot summary so far as the Dirk tries to solve the disappearance of a cat from an old lady's house. It's being shown on BBC Four, not exactly the most high-profile channel, it must be said, and the script is written by Howard Overman, the creator of Misfits and Vexed. If the one-hour pilot does well, the BBC will consider commissioning the ongoing series, and then, given there are only two Jerk Gently books to adapt, plus Salmon of Doubt, uh, I wonder how long it takes for Overman and other writers have to resort to creating their own Dirk Gently story. It could be awesome, terrible, or some baffling mixture of the two, but just this prospect of getting more Adams weirdness on television again is thrilling. No clue who's playing Dirk Gently yet. Just above is the, the image of Harry Einfeld, who played him in the radio adaptations. So I don't know. Have you ever read the Dirk Gently books? That's a new one to me, to be honest with you. There you go. Well, hey, you have something to look forward to. You have a. I guess two novels, three if you can if you include some of it out. I did read them. It's been a while, mm-hmm. but I love Adams. I love Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and I'm very glad to see that they're bringing him back. He just does. He has some good social commentary done in a very funny, humorous, science fiction type way. It's well, just pretty incredible. I, I love the uh, the movie uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, and the books are just even better. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing like blowing away Earth to create an inter- interstellar superhighway. 
I just love the dolphin song, the dolphins singing. Oh, uh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's move into our next piece of news. Miles, take it away. Well, Doctor Who producer promises game-changing cliffhanger. Uh, sh- shocking news in the world of Doctor Who today. The BBC just announced the Series 6 will be split in two for the first time since it started in 2005, with one block of episodes airing over the spring of 2011 and the second one airing in the fall. Stephen Moffat claims that the move will essentially turn Series 6 into two separate series, but more importantly, there will be a game-changing cliffhanger separating the two. That's what the showrunner revealed while speaking during the Edinburgh International Television Festival. And that game-changing cliffhanger, whatever that will be, is what will lead to the series being split in two. Stephen Moffat says, Looking at this next series, I thought this show needs is a big event in the middle. I kept referring to a mid-season finale, so we're going to make it into two series. Seven episodes at uh, Easter building to an earth-shattering climax. A cliffhanger so we can never normally do because it would be too long before it came back. An enormous game-changing cliffhanger that will change everything. The wrong expression would be to say we are splitting two. We are making two separate series. So what do you think about this news? Any guesses as to the kind of uh, earth-shattering climax Moffat could be coming up with? And what do you think of the idea of having a season split into two separate series? Ooh, what could they do to the Doctor, Miles? What could they do to the Doctor to make it earth shattering? Um, I don't. I'll be honest. I don't follow Doctor Who, but I mean, um, could they? Uh, this is time travel, so I mean, um, maybe an alternate version of the Doctor. Oh, they could maybe. do that. Maybe. 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 It, the truth comes out that he really is the leader of the Daleks. Mm-hmm. That he really created them. That would be a huge cliffhanger. He created the Daleks, mm-hmm. his mortal enemy. Maybe they're, maybe they're like bastard children that 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 just want to come back to their father, and he keeps rejecting him, and they want to kill him. That's a, that's often a theme in sci-fi. So that's uh... maybe not too far fetched, huh? No. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Not at all. You know, I, yeah, I don't know what they can do, but um, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we're going to have to wait, though. It's, uh, it's not coming until the spring of next year. And I don't know. I'm kind of I'm excited about it. I'm a huge Who fan. And, uh, you know, we just happen to be covering British television here in our TV news uh, tonight. But uh, I, I'm excited about both both of these shows, I think. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit. Uh, let's talk a little bit about some movie news. I, I was looking at, I don't know if you saw SciFi.com listed 25 trailers that are coming up for fall uh, sci-fi uh, movies. And and so I went through them, and there were really only three that I cared about. There was a lot of horror. I'm mm-hmm. not really into the horror genre. I know that it's classified as sci-fi, Miles. But what is your thoughts on that? Um, I'm not a huge horror fan either, so uh, probably not, not – Nothing that I'll be checking out too much. Yeah. Well, we would love to hear from you guys, you guys listening, what you're looking forward to as far as movies in this fall, winter season. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you three that I am looking forward to. One is Tron. I cannot wait till December when Tron comes out. I rewatched that trailer today. It Mm -hmm. is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, I want to see Tron also. I want a light cycle. So if you want to get me that for Christmas, Miles, I'm all for it. Sure, no problem. Yeah, right, right. So I see it parked in my driveway, I'm good to go. It'll have a um, nice big bow on it. That's right. Nice big girly bow, and it'll be in pink. Thank you, Miles. What's a pink one? First? Right, right. You heard it here. You heard it here first here. Skyline, I'm interested in. It's mysterious and intriguing enough that it kind of has me from the trailer. Mm-hmm. So I am looking forward to Skyline. I don't know how good or bad it's going to be, but I'm looking forward to hearing about it. 
Well, the poster kind of has me. I just saw the poster. I thought that's something I... I yeah, and the trailer kind of has me too. So it's kind of cool. And the other one, Resident Evil. I loved all three Resident Evil movies. And I'm looking forward to this fourth one coming out. Mm-hmm. So it's just good fun. Nothing mm-hmm. serious, nothing too deep. And nothing like seeing, you know, these tough girls kick some A. Nothing wrong with that at all. No, no, absolutely not. So those are the movies I'm looking forward to. But let's get into some news. It came out this week, and my my brother Jason kind of pointed out to me, and then it came across Slice of Sci-Fi as well, that there are some silent movie Star Wars out there. So basically what it is, you know, pretend you're in the 1920s and Star Wars was released, right? And you hear this piano music and the text popping up. And the black and white, uh, black and white images of Darth Vader fighting Luke. So they do this clip. I'm going to embed these into the show notes. They do the original Star Wars. I don't think it's a whole thing. But then the clip from The Empire Strikes Back is, you know, when Darth Vader reveals that he's Luke's father, and it's this uh, classic scene that's done entirely black and white, same style with that grainy feel. It looks pretty authentic, and it's kind of fun to watch. It does. Uh, Star Wars has inspired people to kind of take it and do a different take with it. Yeah, as far yeah. as uh, I mean, we, we I mean is, Lucas is having his contest about you know people presenting Star Wars and maybe a different interpretation. So yeah, nineteen twenty silent films. That's pretty cool. That is it's, 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 it is it is definitely cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know nothing compared to Star Trek. I mean, have you been following what's been going on with the whole Star Trek music? On Twitter, yeah. where they are working, uh, and this isn't in the show notes, but NASA, if you follow NASA, you know, the last space shuttle launch is in November, mm-hmm. and they have a wake-up song, and uh, you can vote for that wake-up song, and right now, leading the pack is the Star Trek theme. Yeah, I've been, I've been seeing, uh, let's see, uh, Chris from Subspace Comms has uh, put a post on, about that, and... Uh, I followed Michelle Nichols on Twitter. Oh, yeah, and she's she, also posted. She's big on that. She is huge on yeah, well, so. well, she used to work for NASA, so that's you know probably something that's near and dear to her heart. All right. So I, some good stuff there. But uh, So if you haven't voted, vote for it. And if you're a Star Trek fan, vote for Star Trek. Star yeah. Wars, sixth place. And with very few votes, there's no way they're catching Star Trek. It's those last three movies. So uh, just, uh, <laughs> I blame Matt Mathers, but... Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have him on later on, and he doesn't listen to this episode anyway. Well, let's move into some other uh, movie news. And this is, I just found this today. I didn't know anything about this, Miles. Mm-hmm. We have a new Planet of the Apes coming. That, that's pretty cool. I'm, I'm actually excited about that. Yeah. Well, and you know, what did you think of the Mark Wahlberg film? I know it didn't get great reviews, but I enjoyed it. It was a fun watch. It, you know, okay, was it great? Did it compare to the classic? No. Those periods? Probably not. But, you know, Planet of the Apes is kind of this iconic show what from the 60s right it started in late 60s and then had like a bunch of sequels in the early 70s yeah so i mean it's great to see a franchise like a franchise like that coming up but here's what we know about it which is very little there's some photos i'm going to be throwing into the show notes so you can Mm -hmm. check that out in sci-fi diner you know podcast.com but here's what we know there hasn't been much I guess this is the write-up. There hasn't been much news recently about the prequel to Planet of the Apes. That is, until one fan happened to wander past the set and snap these great behind-the-scenes shots. These new photos from the set of Rise of the Apes, I guess that's the name of it, uh, won't give away any details about what the CGI primates will look in their final stage, but they do show a bit of what it takes to create them. Here's a glimpse of the stuntman wearing a mocap suit and shambling on all fours on the streets of San Francisco. He looks a little bit like Alan Baldwin. 
Well, it's interesting that um, he's not in costume, I guess, so they're going to do some CGI. Well, it's, all, it's all CGI, yeah. And uh, Frida Pinto, James Franco's in it. Okay. So that gives you some information. Mm-hmm. And uh, it looks like Andy Serkis, who did Gollum from Lord of the Rings. Oh, he's he's excellent. So things. he'd be perfect for the role of, of an ape in there, if that's mm-hmm. him. Uh, though so far we don't know too much about the plot, IMDb describes the film as an origin story set in present-day San Francisco, where man's own experiments with genetic engineering lead to the development of intelligence in apes and the onset of a war for supremacy. This ought to make a... Dayton Ward happy. He he came up with a timeline for Planet of the Apes from from the original from the original movie through the uh, the sequels and uh, the short lived TV series also. Uh, so I mean, if you look up online, Dayton Ward came up with a really good uh, timeline for the whole Planet of the Apes. Does this so, fit into the timeline? I don't know if he. I don't think he incorporated anything from the new movie because the new movie is it's a, it's a separate thing. It doesn't have anything to do with the. Uh, the original um, Planet of the Apes that was made back in right. the 60s. So right. Probably not. Probably not. Uh, well, June 24th, 2001. Well, excuse me. Uh, that can't be right. We don't know, but it's not to, It's not set to be released until June 24th, 2001. I think that's supposed to be 2010. Mm. 2000, it has to be 2011. Right. We're past that. We're way past okay, it, yeah. so 2011, we're supposed to have this released. We that think, makes a little yeah. bit more sense mm-hmm. if we had the date right. The date's wrong in my show notes. I blame whoever typed these show notes. Oh, that was me. <laughs> um, well, take us into our next piece of movie news. This is kind of exciting. Yes, uh, Sigourney Weaver says she's been contacted about Ghostbusters 3. In the last year, Ghostbusters 3 has gone from someday, maybe, to getting more and more likely. Uh, the writing a script, uh, Ivan Reitman's involved, and even Bill Murray says he's interested. Now it looks like Sigourney Weaver is ready to get on board. Earlier this year, she said she wasn't sure whether uh, Ghostbusters 3 plans involved her. Now she says she's been in touch with Reitman. I've been contacted, Weaver said, in an interview on August 27th in uh, Beverly Hills, California, where she's promoting the comedy You Again. All I said was, I I really think my little boy, Oscar, who went through the traumatic kidnapping, should be a Ghostbuster. So I think that might happen. Oscar was the baby uh, Dana in Ghostbusters 2. Now he's presumably in his 20s, and Weaver has a very good idea of what he'd look like. He would be growing up, and he'd look a lot like uh, Zach... uh, Galifianakis. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his last name right. I gave uh, you that name on purpose. Go ahead. I knew you did that. <laughs> okay, sure. He's in, the, in his 40s, but we could see uh, uh, Galifianakis uh, playing a really bearded 25-year-old uh, um, uh, BG3, maybe. That would be uh, – I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Weaver said the next step for I think it should be. I think it's dyslexic. Whoever wrote these notes is dyslexic. Ghostbusters 3. Ghostbusters 3, maybe. Weaver said the next step for a new Ghostbusters movie is just getting a good script done. They're working on the script, Weaver said. Uh, Ivan knows what he's doing, so let him work on the script. She said if the script isn't good, they won't do the movie, but she hopes it's good. So do we, Sigourney. So do we. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's kind of cool. We came out with a video game. I think it's the most recent incarnation of Ghostbusters last year, or maybe it was even earlier this year. Uh, but now that we get a Ghostbusters 3 movie, it's kind of nice. Yeah, I, I, I enjoy the Ghostbusters movies, uh, so um, I'll definitely check it out when it comes uh, in theaters. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a good watch. And, you know, who are you going to call? Well, Ghostbusters. Of course, of course. Yeah. See, that's the music I should put at the end of the show. Yeah, you should do it. Yeah. Uh, the Solo Magneto movie, um, we've talked about that, and 
it doesn't look like we're going to be getting Magneto, the movie. And we're going to talk a little bit about why that is. Were you looking forward to that solo Magneto movie that everybody, including Ian McKellen, has been talking about for the last couple of years? So are we. But now someone who knows reveals it ain't going to happen. Lauren Schuller uh, Donner, who produced all the mutant films so far, is producing the upcoming X-Men First Class and certainly would have been in charge of any standalone Magneto movie. She told Crave Online that First Class has swallowed up the, uh, that other rumored film. When we asked how Magneto was coming along, she replied that it wasn't. No, you know, there's internal discussions, but probably not. It's kind of got incorporated into this one, a lot of it. She also shared what parts of David Goya's Magneto script would survive in the X-Men reboot. Magneto history stuff from the Marvel Magneto history. Disappointed, or did you figure that Magneto character wouldn't carry a movie on its own anyways? So let's talk about this. Do you think that Magneto could have carried a movie on its own? I think it could. Uh, I mean, if I don't think Ian McKellen could – he would be playing the character sometime later in the film unless they do that CGI work they did in the third movie to make him look uh, younger. I mean, he's he's a bit older now since he first did it, uh, but he's still a phenomenal actor. And, oh, yeah. Uh, I think he could carry it on his own. I mean, I think that when you look at the characters of the X-Men, if you're going to do a standalone like, – I would almost want to see Xavier – before I saw Magneto. Okay. I mean, I don't know. He just seems a little bit more mysterious. And maybe maybe the two have to exist in the same film. They have a history. So it may, maybe the film should be about you know both of them, how they met. And, uh, and maybe this is what you know X-Men First Class is about. And maybe that's where we get into some of the history. But I think that's much more interesting than just seeing in a, a film about Magneto. Mm-hmm. Not that I wouldn't – now – Hey, any X-Men film that comes down the pike, I'm going to watch. There's right. just no question about it. Because I love the X-Men, and in spite of the complaints about some of the X-Men movies, I still liked them. Me and too. I, and I love Wolverine. I love oh, – I'm, I'm getting ready for the sequel. Bring that on, baby. Bring yeah. it on. I don't know. I'm excited about it. Yeah, I'm glad they're bringing X-Men back. Yeah. Well, uh, in other news, this article came out in the Atlantic City Press, and it's called The Rise of the Fangirls. Love of superheroes, science fiction, and comic books isn't just for guys anymore. Now, we, of course, had Televixen on last week, and you know we've been to enough conventions to know that there is a huge girl population that has actually come into the whole geekdom and science fiction world, where it used to be predominantly a guy's domain when you thought about it. Right. I mean, uh, women definitely are... You know, have gravitated towards you know sci-fi and and and, and comics. Uh, um, there's at least you know, it was almost well, sixty forty or more at the convention we were last at. Yeah, you know, and you know, and maybe some of that's you know due to anime coming in because anime tends to be more of a female genre in some ways. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but that's my that's my stereotype. The you girls out there can correct me. I'm just saying that there is there is that. And I, I know that there's a lot of there's been a lot of strong female characters that have come out of a lot of our shows, thanks to Josh Whedon and uh Battlestar and some mm-hmm. of the other and you know Stargate has had a lot of female characters, strong female characters. And there's a lot even Older shows like Firefly has a strong female following. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I knew some strong female characters in that show. Here's what the article says. Jessica LeBlanc spends her days selling comic books and games supplies at Jester's Playhouse in Northfield. So what does she do for fun? Earlier this month, she headed out to Illinois to attend Gen Con gaming convention in Indianapolis, spending a couple of days learning about what's new in gaming. While she was there, LeBlanc 21 noticed there were a fair number of women mixed among the hordes of fanboys flipping through stacks of comics. 
In the last couple of years, I've been talking to a lot more women who are into it. There were a lot of women dressed in anime costumes. I think the women are feeling more comfortable, the Galloway Township woman said. The cliche of a bunch of dateless geeky boys and men being the only ones to attend comic book conventions or spending their days engaged in role-playing games is out of date. More and more women are proudly letting their devotion to specific TV shows, movies, comics, games shine. The growing visibility of these fangirls is altering the pop culture landscape. Comic-Con's International 2010, the largest comic book and popular arts convention in the world, was held last month. Panels included Geek Girls Exist, Girls Gone Genre, Movies, TV, uh, Comic, Web, and Women Who Kick Ass, a new generation of hero- heroines. There is, uh, there's an effort on the web to organize a Geek Girl Con next year in Seattle. And the article goes on, and I'll put the entire article into the show notes. But, you know, when you look at people like Felicia Day, mm-hmm. who really promotes that whole gaming genre sure. among girls, it is – there is a popularity that exists where it isn't just guys playing the video games. It isn't just guys watching the shows. This is a – this is really opened up. Uh, the women have joined the club. Yeah, and, and we are thankful. Yes, we are. We need, so, we need someone to give us some balance. <laughs> that's for sure. But, uh, yeah, and – I don't know. There's just a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of goodness in that. Oh, very much so. And yeah, and your wife watches science fiction. My wife is a big you know sci fi nerd like me. I mean, we, uh, she loves Star Wars. Um, not as big in a Star Trek like, like I am, but um, she loved the last movie. Um, and if there's a con, she, she, she you know she, she she'll want to go with me. So she went this last one, and uh, um, she she. Uh, Enjoyed uh, meeting Eddie James Alamos and uh, Kevin Sorbo this past year. So yeah, absolutely. As did your mom. Yes, my mother-in-law. She, uh, <laughs> As we mentioned before, she yes. likes she likes Kevin just a little, we'll, just a little bit. We'll, we'll we'll talk about that later. Yeah, <laughs> talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. But you know, uh, and my wife, I would not classify as being a science fiction uh, a girl that likes science fiction. However, huge fan of Lost. Mm-hmm. Love Flash Forward. Uh, loved Firefly was an X file devotee, so there's science fiction in her. I mean, there's there's an air, there's an angle of science fiction that does capture. Right, and um, I should have mentioned uh, when Battlestar Galactica was on, my wife was watching it every time with me, and was watching when Caprica was on, and, and uh, I got her into Battlestar. I mean, uh, Stargate Universe. Uh, so um, yeah, we, I mean, we we have a huge common interest in that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's move into the twist, Miles. This week in Star Trek. Well, this week in Star Trek, uh, William Shatner says there is no doubt there's life out there while wa- launching yet another TV series. I want to thank our friend uh, uh, Chris for uh, posting this on Go his uh, site, uh, Subspace Comms. I encourage the uh, listeners to check it out. Uh, William Shatner apparently has another show in the work works that is premiering this fall called William Shatner's Weird or What?, the show will look at the extraordinary events and, and try to explain uh, them scientifically or logical. When we like, to, when we like someone to explain is when does William Shatner sleep? This is the third television show he's premiering this fall, along with Aftermath and Bleep. My dad says, and now Weird or What? The Shat is also working on uh, Raw Nerve uh, while filming a documentary about all the Star Trek captains called simply The Captains. Ooh, I want to see that. I didn't know that's coming out. Oh, me too. One thing that did cross our minds, maybe, The Shat is one of those newfangled day-walking vampires. When we saw him close up at Vegas Con, he was awfully sparkly. Ooh, Twilight reference. Uh-huh. 
Maybe we should clarify here. Weirder What has been uh, on in the States since April this year on the Discovery Channel. The show is actually premiering this Wednesday on the uh, Canadian version of the History Channel. We just didn't mention it because the first paragraph has such a good effect. Moving on. During an interview with the Times columnist, uh, Victoria and uh, Vancouver Island uh, News uh, since uh, 1858, the Shat gave us his intergalactic insight into whether or not aliens exist. There is no doubt there is life out there. The mathematics of it lead you to the absolute conclusion, Shatner says. In my mind, there is no doubt that the universe uh, teems, teems with life in all its forms. But why they would come visit here and not let themselves be known to everybody is beyond my sense of logic. He's not walking. No, he's not. So what does he, what, what does he know about logic? Right. Anyways, if anyone would know, it would be the captain of the Flippin' Enterprise, he continues. Why would you fly the years or millenniums? Uh, it would take to get here. Why wouldn't they just land and say, here we are, we're tired, get us some ice cream. Um, in, in the second episode of Weird or What, the show focused on a small Texas town where witnesses claim they saw U.S. Air Force planes in hot pursuit of UFOs. Shatner says the show explains the unexplainable. He adds, everything that takes place is weird, whether it's a social transaction or a physical event. Anything that we perceive is, in its final analysis, weird because there are ramifications that we don't even know. The possibilities that are suggested in quantum physics tell us that everything we are looking at may, in fact, be there. So there may be an underlying nature of being weird. The Shatner Empire expands this Wednesday at 8 p.m. on History uh, Canada. Very good, very um, good. So what do you I, think of this, Miles? Well, what I think is impressive is that at, at 79 years old, uh, I mean, William Shatner, he's like the Energizer Bunny. He just keeps on going. He's, he does. He's, uh, you know, he's not content to, um, you know, rest on his laurels, all, all the great accomplishments he has. Uh, um, he, he's still out there, and uh, a new, newer audience is discovering him. And One of the funniest Star Trek actors to follow on Twitter. Who is that? Brett Spiner. Oh, okay. The real Spread Spiner. Yeah. He is hilarious the mm-hmm. way he tweets. He never tweets seriously. That's true. <laughs> it's always, do you follow him? Yeah, I do follow him. He, yeah. he has some pretty, pretty, funny, uh, pretty funny tweets. Mm-hmm. So. Before we get into our interview with Ian Hume uh, regarding his book, Heaven Field, we want to give you this promo from Tuning Into Science Fiction Television, Sci-Fi TV. Again, by our good friend Kevin Batchelder. If you're at Dragon Con, go see him. Harass him. Tell him the Sci-Fi Diner sent you. So, Ghost infected Frank. He passed it on to the other guys, and I got it from his corpse. Right. Hello, Echo. How are you feeling? Did I fall asleep? For a little while. Previously on Heroes. You had to go and be the detective, didn't you, Matt? I'm not an aggressive person. Oh, man, there's just way too much on all these channels. But only in-game. Everybody lives, Rose. Just this one. In your dreams, Nutloaf. Bite my shiny metal hat. Sometimes I get, I get visions. Walter, what are you doing? What you learn? I wish there was some way to find out what's really worth watching. There is. What? Who? What was that? Tuning into Sci-Fi TV is the viewer's guide to genre television. Where is that coming from? With its spoiler-free quick reviews and water cooler and the spoiler-filled in-depth back porch discussions, Tuning into Sci-Fi TV is the only resource fans need to know what's on, what's good, and what's coming soon in science fiction and fantasy television. How did you get into my house? Join Kevin, Wendy, and Brent each week for the latest in genre television. I'm calling the police. Uh, you can find Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV at TuningIntoSciFiTV.com. No, seriously. How did you get into my house? 
Ladies and gentlemen, on the Sci-Fi Diner podcast, we have brought you interviews with actors, producers, authors, and audiobook authors. Well, tonight we want to bring your attention again to another exciting audiobook called Heavenfield. So to do so properly, we are going to be speaking with the author of Heavenfield, Mr. Ian Hume, who is speaking to us across the pond, so to speak, from England. Uh, Mr. Hume, welcome and thank you for talking with us on the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Hi. Oh, yeah, thanks for inviting me. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's it's good. You have a nice little piece of sci-fi you're working on, and uh, and uh, we're almost ready to get the what is book four is the final installment, right? Well, that's the final installment. Yeah, um, it's a novel in four parts. Yeah, and we've got the first two books out at the moment. Uh, so hoping to get third book out soon. Uh, but uh, the reason I'm, I mean, the reason I've been uh, sort of away for a while is I've actually just been writing the sequel to the whole thing. So. Uh, so we've got another four books to come after that yet. <laughs> oh, great, Very great. Um, well, tell us, um, tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, our listeners may or may not be familiar with, the, uh, with Heavenfield. Can you give us a little bit of premise? What, what's going on in this story? Uh, well, it sort of centers on uh, a British research facility, and that's, uh, it's sort of similar to, do you know, CERN, the uh, sort of particle accelerator in Geneva. Right. Uh, so, so it's a big sort of research facility in Britain, and uh, the scientists discover a way into what they call the heaven field, which um, sort of is uh, an entirely new world. So they find this uh, uh, a new world, really, uh, which is initially sort of a beautiful paradise, but then the project comes under attack from uh, sort of all different forces. There's uh, government agencies, foreign powers, sort of mysterious inhabitants of the field. This leaves the team stranded in the field uh, and their air supplies are running out. The atmosphere changes uh, in the field and it all becomes much more hostile. And uh, as, they, as their suits start to fail, uh, they start seeing visions and things and it all becomes quite nightmarish. And from then on, really, the story is about how all these groups sort of fight for control of the heaven field. Uh, it's got bits of sort of spy thriller in it and uh, sort of epic sort of fantasy battles and things. Uh, yes, yeah, so uh, does that give you a bit of an idea? <laughs> right. Well, and in, in, in a little bit of a little bit of horror in that as well. Yeah, I think so. It's sort of it is quite a, di- a dark story. Yeah, yeah. And there's, yeah. There's definitely sort of some uh, some gruesome sort of psychological moments going on in there. So it's referred to as a heaven field, but isn't there another technical, a more technical name for it, the way the people refer to it in the book? Yeah, I mean, they call it the uh, standing point field. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's, All right, that's standing the, point. That's uh, the scientific sort of term, which right. I made up. <laughs> so, tell, so tell us about uh, some of the main characters we meet in this novel. Uh, well, the story sort of revolves basically mainly about, uh, about uh, Grace Palmer. Right. Uh, she's a... Um, She's a sort of middle-aged scientist. Uh, she heads up the research, and she's sort of this uh, sort of tough-talking, you know, sort of chain-smoking uh, scientist who, uh, who uh, you know, uh, sort of says what she feels, really. And uh, <laughs> sort of alongside her, there's uh, Thomas Sullivan, who's a, a real sort of awkward, eccentric-type guy. And, um, and on the other side, there's... Uh, 
there's sort of more mysterious characters. There's uh, Alexi or Alex, who's um, he seems he comes from one of the foreign foreign sort of agencies, and he's uh, working to uh, try and sabotage the project. And uh, we don't quite know what uh, his role in everything is at the moment, but uh, we find out find all that out a bit later on. Really, tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and what inspired you to create Heavenfield. I sort of I worked as an artist for a long time, uh, a sort of, you know, traditional artist. And then uh, I sort of moved into computer work quite a bit. And uh, I was working on uh, uh, trying to sort of write a screenplay for a little 3D animation. You know, I sort of wrote this little scene about this these people, you know, trapped in this uh, sort of mythical place. And, uh, and just really wanted to know a lot more about these characters. And from that, that's how the heaven feels started really it sort of started off in my head as a bit of a screenplay uh but uh, i was just sort of intrigued by the characters a bit more and uh, and it sort of snowballed out of control really and i've been uh, you know obsessed with it ever since <laughs> yeah it's definitely took a life of its own yeah i mean i'm sort of uh, i'm busy writing the sequel at the moment and um i'm also writing uh, uh, uh doing an art book at the same time which is uh you know, like an encyclopedia of everything that's sort of in the in the heaven field. So it's sort of you know the places and uh, the creatures and all the people and everything. You know, so uh, yeah, it's become a bit of an obsession. The artwork that we see on the podcast and on the website is that all your artwork? Mostly mine. Yeah, for a long time it's uh, it's all been my own work. But just recently, um, I've been starting getting involved with other artists a little bit. Uh, I've got a good friend called Stephen Herbert who um, he he wrote the music for the uh, for the Heavenfield originally. Okay. Uh, yeah, and he's a, a visual artist as well. I hadn't spoken to him for you know a couple of years or something, and uh, just got a, a message out the blue recently, and say you know I've done some pictures of the Heavenfield and see what you think. And there was these amazing you know landscapes and everything. So. Um, so I've started working with him a lot more recently, and we're sort of working on three uh, D work for the uh, for this art book and things. And uh, yeah, but most most of the work's been my own up till now. But uh, increasingly, I'm starting to work with more people. I know you have a website that actually showcases some of your original art apart from the Heaven Field. Uh, can oh. you tell us a little bit about that? And uh, maybe we'll start there. Well, that's uh, at ighume.com. Yeah, I put that up a while ago, really, just because um, I, I worked for a long time uh, as a traditional artist, just uh, sort of uh, with, uh, you know, painting in, in oils and oil on canvas and things. And a lot of that work is, you know, sort of what I call sort of psychological lands, uh, portraits, psychological portraits in a way. So... Uh, I don't know whether that describes uh, anything, really. <laughs> yeah. Well, it fits into a little bit of uh, the artwork that goes into the heaven field. I mean, the characteristics of it, uh, you know, the kind of carry over a little bit. Yeah, I mean, for ages I've been trying to get away of, uh, you know, sort of melding all these images that I've been doing, you know, together with all the different bits of work I've been doing and uh, and finally sort of found a way with the heaven field where... Um, where they all sort of start fitting together, and it's been great, really, to because uh, they'd been sort of very disparate up until then. Yeah. But uh, yeah, now now they're they're all sort of tying together, and it's uh, it's uh, sort of got a lot of energy behind it now. I think because of that. 
Well, some fantastic artwork, some fantastic pictures that you put into the podcast, that's for sure. For the listeners of Heavenfield, what can, what can they get and how, by going to your website, how will that help enhance their experience? Uh, well, I think the sort of, uh, a lot of it's the visual imagery that, uh, that I've tried to put into the, um, the website, really. So, um, uh, I mean, there's, uh, there's a little section called uh, the Data Vault, which is uh, it's kind of a sneak preview of what a lot of the art book's going to be about, really. So um, you can find out about uh, some details about the characters, uh, and then we're sort of listing all the locations and things. And uh, and as we go on, I'm I'm going to try and um, add a lot more to that. So um, so it just becomes you know a lot a lot richer, so people can get a really you know good sort of vision in their head about what uh, what all these places and people are like, you know. And um, uh, there's uh, you know lots of uh, digital wallpapers on the uh, on the website as well of a lot of the artworks that I've done and things. Uh, so you can download those and uh, you can always buy the t-shirt. <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, some beautiful those those background those pictures he created make some beautiful backgrounds too. I think. Oh yeah, I've yeah. Uh, I've got a great one that uh, that Stephen Herbert uh, made. Uh, a, one of my favorite pictures of the Heavenfield, a, a really bright one. That's my wallpaper. That's what I'm staring at at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Well, good. Well, good. You know, and you know, the, the, talking about the data. What do you call it? The data. It's not. It's a, it's a vault. Yeah, the data. Thank you. The data vault. You know, you kind of tantalize us there because there's some links I click on. You say, you know, restricted access. Oh yeah. So, yeah. I assume that means you haven't got around to put it in. But I'm like, ah, oh, I want to know about it. Yeah, a lot of the uh, the bits that you'll see sort of uh, that are restricted and things at the moment are uh, you know sort of characters and things which will uh, appear later on in the story. Yeah, so we've kept them restricted at the moment, but you'll get to you'll get to know about them a bit later on. Yeah. You know, and, and that goes for, you, for 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 you listeners out there. Check out the book, listen to the book, but then go to the website as well because it's just you, you kind of. You, you, I saw that you have a link to Leviathan Chronicles. Do you guys do yeah. you know, do, you, do you know the guys from there? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, um, Christoph's been uh, been great. Really, he's uh, he's said some wonderful things about the Hemfield uh, on his website, and uh, it's really sort of driven. You know, people from his uh, from his site to to mine. So uh, yeah, I, I want to really th- thank Christoph. He's been he's been he's been wonderful, really. Yeah, yeah. We had a um, we had him on what about a month ago, maybe Miles. Right. And uh, yeah, just a really neat guy, and has a real passion for the medium of storytelling. You know, in podcasting. Oh yeah, I I, I love the uh, you know the whole the richness of his podcast. You know, with all the uh, characters and everything, and the full sound effects. That's it's fantastic, really. And he's also really big about you know we'll bring attention to other great uh, audio books or audio dramas like yourself and um, other ones he, he's been listening. So he's been a real cheerleader for guys like yourself and um you know getting the word out oh yeah i can't thank him enough really he's been he's been fabulous for me he really has uh we almost got to meet up uh at the end of uh, last year i think he came to london but uh, sadly we couldn't quite get it to link up but uh <laughs> yeah hopefully we'll get to meet up someday so so that does bring up the question so this is coming out in uh, we like people can go and buy Heavenfield in book form is that correct uh, well, not really at the moment. Oh, okay. Uh, I thought I, th- uh, I thought there was a. I, I, oh, I know there's a download of the first book, right, on your site. Yeah, I um, I sort of uh, I was uh, when I was writing it, I uh, 
got the books printed with Lulu.com, you know, the sort of right. self-publisher. Right. Um, so, so I did make those available for a little while, but um, I think they're just, they're just, you know, quite prohibitive sort of cost really for people. Right. Um, so, uh, so I mean, you can still get book three and book four. Uh, from Lulu at the moment, and um, and if anyone wants to sort of email me, I can give you a link to that. Right. Um, but uh, but I'm just at the moment I'm just trying to get uh, you know get sort of all the funds together and things just to self publish it a bit in in one novel. One novel. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that's on the horizon soon, hopefully. So what what kind of made the decision for you to say you know what I want to put this out as an audio book. I mean, was there uh, what kind of inspired you to do that? Was it your musical background? I mean, where 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 does that all play in? Uh, yeah, well, a lot of it is the uh, musical background because um, uh, I did sort of quite a bit of uh, recording and sort of sound engineering for bands I was in and things. So I, you know, had all the equipment there and everything, and uh, it just seems such a, a great sort of medium. You know, I'd love I'd love to see it as a film one day, but you know, that wasn't going to happen <laughs> for a while. Um, so I thought, pardon? at least not yet. Not no, not just for the time being. Hopefully soon. But yeah. uh, <laughs> but um, it, it seemed another really sort of immediate way, you know, just uh, to get it out in digital format for people, really, you know, so that they could see it immediately. And uh, and at first, I wasn't quite sure about it. I must admit, because uh, I had I'd never really listened to many audio books before. But uh, it's been such good fun to do. It really has. And, uh, I've had such good positive uh, reviews as well from it, you know. So, uh, so I'm really looking forward to uh, to getting the third book done when I get around to it. <laughs> right, right, right. Now, this is something you obviously can't do just by yourself. What kind of team do you have behind you to help make this happen? Oh no, well, this is uh, it's been done entirely myself. Oh, really? <laughs> That that that's, yeah. that's that's incredible. Yeah. So yes, uh, it's been quite a big a big job, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, a lot of recording and editing, and um, I just had the birth of our little baby daughter uh, nine months ago. So that was my recording room, but uh, now it's a little baby room. So right. <laughs> well, congratulations. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yes. <laughs> so so not much sleep and uh, not as much time for. For getting recording done, but I'll blame it on the baby at the moment. Right, 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 right. <laughs> well, it explains you had a you had kind of a there was a little bit of a long wait between the two books, right? Yes, and yeah. So that, that kind of explains maybe that a little bit, or we'll blame it that we'll blame it on that. We'll blame it on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all it's all good, all good. <laughs> book uh, book two is out, uh, you know, and um, any idea when listeners can expect to see book three on the horizon? I mean, have you started um, recording that yet, or are we we're looking at December or January or what? Where are we at? I, I'm really hoping I can get it done for uh, towards the end of this year, and yeah, I, I'm sort of aiming for the end of this year. I think you know, realistically, I've managed to get out to get this uh, sequel out the way now, and that's sort of that's been really uh, you know taken up all my time recently uh, for since sort of. Since probably about February, really, I've just been writing nonstop, and uh, and that all the drafts are done for that. So, uh, so I'm sort of just starting to look again at uh, getting book three done. So I'm going to sort of aim for the end of the year and uh, and hopefully get somewhere near that. 
uh, Heavenfield has elements of uh, sci-fi, spy thriller, and even horror. What were your earlier influences in sci-fi, horror, and, and spy thriller? Um, I think uh, I think the sort of spy thriller comes from uh, Le Carre books. I, I love, you know, all those uh, really intricate sort of spy thriller books, you know, by John Le Carre. But all the sci-fi stuff, I mean, Alien, I think, and Aliens is, you know, a huge influence for me. I, I love, I love the way that that the art sort of has, has driven that character so much. You know, sort of the sort of Alda Giga um, artwork. You know, sort of that went into that. I, that that's a real appeal to me, um, and a lot of Tolkien. Really, um, I was sort of a huge uh, Tolkien fan when I was a kid, and uh, and I sort of forgot about it for quite a long time. And it was only when the films came out that it sort of rekindled uh, all that interest again and I sort of, you know, remembered how much I loved it all, really. So, so I think that, you know, has been a big influence in the way the story's gone, in that, in that sort of fantasy side of the story. Well, and it is kind of the blend, blend of the, the sci-fi. It blends sci-fi and fantasy pretty well because you have this very scientific component to it at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I often think this is sort of like the heaven feels a bit sort of like uh, aliens meets Lord of the Rings or something. Really. Oh, there That's you go. Interesting, <laughs> interesting picture there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so are you looking forward to the Hobbit movies if they ever get made? Oh yeah, definitely. I, I can can't wait for those. I think, fingers crossed for all that. I've. Uh, I'm not quite sure what's the current deal with it. The moment <laughs> I keep hearing little rumors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, Peter Jackson said he has a big announcement sometimes, so we'll have <laughs> to see when that happens. But all right. <laughs> <laughs> so, where can people? We, we mentioned where they can find your art. Where can people find the Heavenfield podcast? And you know, what, what sort of things can people do to support what you're doing? The the website's at theheavenfield.com. I don't really know what people. I mean, people have. Um, have been really supportive at the moment. Anyway, you know they've they've uh, you know I've had some great sort of feedback and uh, just sending messages saying they're enjoying it. You know is enough. It really keeps me going at the moment. You know sort of uh, because when you're working, you're you're in a bit of a bubble, I think, and uh, and you put you put the podcast out and um, and you never quite know you know whether people are enjoying it or whatever, and uh, and just to hear back, sort of getting some feedback. Uh, from people is great you know and that sort of it gives you a lot of energy just to keep going really so so emailing you contacting you on twitter maybe buying a t-shirt yeah buy the t-shirt buy the t-shirt <laughs> leave, leave that five-star itunes review oh yes they're always helpful yeah, yeah they, are, they are well is there anything that you want to say more about about the heaven field or about yourself or anything before we uh wrap up the interview i think big thanks to uh you know, all the people who have listened to it and all the people who have uh, who've sent in great comments about it. And, uh, you know, and thanks to people like yourself who um, are sort of, you know, helping me spread the word about the Heavenfield. So, uh, you know, big thanks to you guys. Well, well, thank you for sharing your world. It is about time to wrap up the show. 
But we can't wrap up the show without giving you our sci-fi five and five, right? Very true. So in our sci-fi five and uh, our sci-fi five and five tonight comes from Radu, who you heard earlier won the uh, trivia contest. You heard give some feedback, but here is his sci-fi five and five, and what he's doing are his top five sci-fi TV shows that he didn't care for but grew to love. Interesting. So the opposite of the 360 where he loved these shows and he ended up hating them in the long run. So this is the reverse of it. The first one that uh, Radu has is Doctor Who. Um, I've been thinking about giving Doctor Who a chance for the last five years or so. The biggest problem for me was to figure out where to start. Too many seasons, too many Doctors, a confusion nonetheless. Thanks to Wikipedia, I was able to narrow down my starting point to the 2005 series starring Christopher Eccleston. That was about three years ago. I watched the first episode called Rose and was appalled. What are these silly-looking plastic mannequins about? <laughs> I, stopped I remember the, that episode. I stopped at the 20-minute mark. Then a year later, I, I tried again and the same result. This year, after hearing way too many good things about the latest Doctor, I took a different approach. I watched a recent episode. Very nice. I was pleasantly surprised. So I gave the Rose episode one more, t- one more chance and watched it all the way through, cringing. Then the next episode, then the next. Suffice to say, I am now a Doctor Who regular. Not going back in time before 2005, though. Yeah, neither am I. Neither am I. But I, I agree. Christopher Eccleston is a great Doctor to start with if you're just getting into Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. So, Miles, you got that? You're getting into Doctor Who, you start with Christopher Eccleston. Okay. The Invisible Man from Heroes, by the way. Oh, okay. Same guy that Tim Acker played. He, he, I liked him. Yeah, he was a good guy. Mm-hmm. Um, number four came in Firefly and Serenity. I have to say that I don't like Westerns much. After suffering through way too many Deadwood episodes, I'm not very excited about the prospects of so-called Westerns and space TV show. Just one season and then canceled? Not very encouraging. Only after hearing about the movie follow-up about to hit theaters was I started watching reluctantly. I was very relieved to find no cows or cowboys in the show. Very imaginative sci-fi show with very exciting character and plot developments. I was very sad at the end that there wasn't more of it. Wait. I forgot about the Serenity movie. I went to see it the next month and was blown away. How well done and true to the series it was. Uh, and we're right with you. We well, love Firefly. We are huge. Fire- I, I didn't even know Firefly was out. And probably if I heard Western in, in space, I probably wouldn't have appealed to me. But uh, yeah. it was just hearing the buzz talked about it. And, um, yeah, I was hooked. I think I caught one episode on television. The rest I caught on DVD. Okay. That was just the way it was. It, it kind of went and... Came and went, and the advertising for it wasn't that great. Well, do number three. The Big Bang Theory, and this is a show I've, everybody's telling us that we should Yeah, we got to watch it. We know our geekness will improve. All right. So a friend of mine was always boasting about the Big Bang Theory during lunch breaks and how awesome it was. A show about four nerds and people making fun of them. Why would I want to watch a show about that? I watched a couple of episodes, and it seemed to be about four dudes trying to get the girl. Another high school-inspired TV show. I stopped watching, but... But after getting assured that the girl chasing aspect was not what the show was about, I gave another shot. Bazinga. I now love the show, the characters, and the daily dose of embarrassment. Most of the time, it feels like reliving parts of my own life. Oh, well, another positive review for that. Mm -hmm. We might have to check that out. Number two, the Stargate franchise. I've always been an avid Star Trek uh, a fan of your, I have to confess, I was very jealous about the Stargate TV show that kept going on even after all my beloved Star Trek shows got canceled. I was never going to invest myself into another franchise. Then High Definition came along. Stargate Atlantis was the first sci-fi show I had the ability to watch from beginning in high def. I got thoroughly hooked when SGA ended. I was ready to give SG-1 a try as well. I have to say I was missing out big time not watching SG-1 in all those years. Both are wonderful shows. 
although he's not a fan of Stargate Universe as much. But We'll forgive him. Yeah, we will. Uh, <laughs> and number one, Miles? Uh, number one is Farscape, and this is a show that I need to get into. A few years back, I ran out of things to watch, so I started looking around for something new to watch. Suddenly, I recalled reading something about a, a Muppets in Space TV show. Say what? I googled Farscape images and found pictures of silly-looking creatures alongside some Sesame Street Muppets. Suffice to say, I was questioning the sanity of the creators right off the bat. Boy, was I wrong. Not a kid show. Not a silly show at all. What a ride through four seasons and the movie. Exciting character development, unique and daring storylines, top-notch special effects, and very expensive Muppets. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Radu, for sending us your Sci-Fi 5 and 5. And it's good to hear the shows that you weren't real keen on that suddenly you loved. I give you give you some balance. Give you some balance, Radu. Thank yeah. you so much for sharing that. And if you want to share with uh, with us your Sci-Fi 5 and 5, you can email them to us like Radu did. You can send them an audio. You can put them in an MP3 and we'll mm-hmm. play that on, on the air. Uh, you can call in to one 508 and leave your feedback and your, 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 your Sci-Fi 5 and 5 that way. And by the way, all, everything we've been talking about tonight, you can call in and leave your thoughts on it that way, and we'll play them on the show. We'll do. But email works just as well, and mm-hmm. Facebook works just as well, too, so you can obviously leave them there. That'd be a valid way to get a hold of us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and wrap up the show. We're, again, running long, but it's totally cool. We expect that now, I guess. It's kind of expected. But uh, they can find us at the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast.com. We'll have the show notes up there. You can always check that out. You can find us on Facebook. Twitter, how can they get a hold of us on Twitter? Uh, I am Son of Worf at, at Twitter. Also, I'm on Trekspace, uh, Son of Worf at Trekspace. Yeah, and we both get into maintaining the uh, the, fa- the Facebook mm-hmm. fan page. And mm-hmm. uh, thank you to the 104 of you that are following us at this point. Mm-hmm. We love you guys. Thank you so much. You can email us at the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast at gmail.com. Again, call us 1-888-508-4343. And on my Twitter, Sci-Fi Diner and Herzog, H-E-R-T-Z-O-G. And it's all good. If you get a chance, leave us a five-star or, or leave us an iTunes review. We want to know what we're doing well and what you guys like. We really appreciate you guys a lot. We love you. Right. And I believe that's it, Miles. Till then, good night and good luck. We will see you.